So I'm here with Janie Jones and I'm explaining to Janie that I interview people who make their living or their life with an art. It's, I think, very clear that you have given your life and are making your living with the art of performing. If someone asks you what you do, how do you define yourself? I'll say that I'm an actress and a singer, and uh, this is what I do full-time. Yeah. I, and I do something that's in within my field, whether it's a print modeling, whether it's um, some uh, parts on television, it's always going within the realm of actress and a singer. And I'm blessed to be able to do it full-time, because the statistics said that 90% of us are out of work. So I'm very blessed to be in the 10% that work pretty frequently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well... It's a testament to your talent. Anybody who needs someone to, to do what you do would want you. So I only ask one question, and it is, can you remember and can you tell me the very first time in your life that singing or acting or um, getting attention or stories or plays or music, movies or theater or any of that became, um, you became aware of it, it attracted you, you recognized it, any of that? Okay, well, yeah. I'm PK, a preacher's kid. My mother is a minister. And uh, when I was five years old, the minister that was over our church, she had a bunch of children and they all sang. So my sisters and I have two other sisters and a brother, and, but my sisters and I said, mommy, we wanna sing too. <laughs> when my mom used to sing with her cousins, Acapella. Uh -huh. The men would make the music with them, like, boom, 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 <laughs> and the women and the women would sing. So Mama said, "Okay, but you all got to pay attention." So here I am, five. We have five, uh, like eight and twelve. That's the ages of us, and and we and I learned how to sing acapella. My mom said, <laughs> mm -hmm. she said that I could sing on perfect pitch before I could even talk. Yeah. She said they would make like one of my cousins would make a sound, boo -da boo boo boo. She said I'd do it verbatim what it was. I don't, of course don't remember that, it was too tiny. But, um, but so yeah, so I always loved it. My mother always, my mother taught us and, and um, she was very strict. <laughs> Sing with expression, she said. <laughs> I, have this, I have this one sister, my oldest sister, she's really pretty and she's this great little face. It's actually a good TV face because I'm very animated by nature. And uh, my mom said, Sing like you're feeling, don't sit over there looking all pretty. <laughs> So yeah, so we would sing in churches. Uh, we were called the Ford Sisters, which is my mother's maiden name, Ford. And um, we would go to sing, and they would always we'd be on these programs. They'd have these programs in these in the black churches, and program you 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 invite all the different churches choirs, and they all sing, and you raise money. So they would wait. Keep us to the last because everybody wanted to hear the Ford sisters sing. Uh -huh. And um, I never could understand the hoopla about my voice because I didn't understand that a five-year-old shouldn't have such a deep contralto voice. It was just the voice I've always had. Yeah. And uh, so it was just wonderful. It was wonderful. It was, you know, when they said, she's a little girl with the golden voice. I was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they would call us up to sing sometime in church and I'd be in five. I'm sleepy and it's late and I should be in bed technically, mm -hmm. but no, no, not in my world. No. So they would say, the four sisters are here. Let's have them sing. I go up in the pulpit to sing with my sisters. Mom said, I'd pull my dress up and scratch my navel. <laughs> She'd be so embarrassed. I was like, well, I should have been in bed. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, but, so you're fine. How long did you do this? I did it from five years old all the way to 17, and then I went to college. Oh, okay, hold on. 
So clearly you fell in love with the singing yes. and the reaction that you were getting. Did you like it? I, I did. I liked it very much. The adults were very embracing and, and we had sort of an, a reputation. The Four Sisters going to be on this program and they would advertise and we'd come. And I remember one time when I was a little girl, because I had not discovered my higher voice, I was singing this song, Satisfied Mind. It's called, Sometimes I Don't Have. So it's a five-year-old singing that and this little girl on front, she's like, oh, mommy, she sounds like a man. I went, oh, oh dear. <laughs> and so my mom, when I sat down, who was really strict, she said, baby, you did really good. I said, okay. And she gave me some money. I was like, I, I see. better. I see. <laughs> but the adults were always, always very embracing. And I didn't quite understand it, you know, being so small. Mm -hmm. You know, I just knew they loved, they loved the Ford sisters. And, and you loved it. I absolutely loved it. Absolutely okay, loved so it. now, did you have any training? Um, my mother taught me when I was little, from five up to like 17. When I went to college, I took a boys' class of there and uh but my teacher was an opera singer so she knew how to teach me how to sing ah. opera type but not how to sing in belt and i remember trying to reach a high note and she was like um jane i was like janie uh <laughs> jane you know is here no i was starting to sing fame baby look at me and she was like baby look at me i said well if i sing it like that of course i can sing it she said well sing, well, it, sing like it like that, that. <laughs> and so i sing like i was like they're going to look at, like, look at me like I'm an idiot if I'm singing fame like that. <laughs> but she did teach me proper breathing. And so I took everything that I could from her. She was, breathe, you're not breathing. So I was breathing in connection. So it was, it was great. She was yeah, a sweetheart. So, yeah, well, you, you've got an extraordinary range. I know you know that, right? I mean, so... Did you not know that until you were 17 or until you started to work with her? Or? Well, I didn't recognize it to be what you call range. Uh, when I was little, I was like, this is my black voice, and I'd sing gospel. This is my Indian voice, because we were raised around, in North Carolina, around Indians. And they had like a one, I'm a poor rich man, they had sort of like a twain. And I was like, this is my white voice. Well, my white voice ended up being actually my legit voice in the real world. Right. So I've always played with those voices, but I didn't know how to categorize them. I said, this is my black voice. Somebody sing gospel. This is my Indian. Well, what you also didn't know is that few people have that <laughs> you know i mean really you can belt at a at a height that is um i think extraordinary <laughs> you know really that's not common clearly you didn't know that but you had it really you actually had it this teacher helped you figure out how to um how to make sure you kept it. That's what the breathing does, right? Yeah, because my, my teacher, Dr. John Marshall Kilimanjaro, God rest his soul, he said to me, he said, because I was his protege, he, he said, sweetheart, he said, if you don't take voice lessons, one day you're going to open your mouth to sing and nothing's going to come out. And yeah, that right. terrified me. Yeah. Well, so, again, where, did, where was he? In North Carolina A&T State University. Yes! Oh, okay. So it's not, so, you, so you're just doing the Ford sisters, uh -huh. essentially all those years, yes. knowing that at least singing mm -hmm. is very important to you and mm -hmm. this is what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So, so you, I take it for granted, actually. Yes, that, that's what you would do, <laughs> right? Okay, so what did you major in? Um, speech and theater arts with a concentration in professional theater. Okay, so already you're thinking about acting or you're not? Well, no, I didn't know what I wanted to do. All I know, all I knew was I wanted to go to college so people, I wouldn't feel like people are better than I am. So I wanted to be equally educated. Wow. You know, that's, I'm going to college, I didn't know what I was going to major in. They say you major in what you're good in. Well, I was really good in speech. I was really good in English, uh, business courses. I was really good in French. 
but none of them excited me. Slightly French, but how am I going to use a French degree other than to teach? Yeah. There was no French-speaking pe- people where I was, and I was like, so I didn't know. I just know I wanted to go to college, and I'd figure it out. They said I didn't have to figure it out till my sophomore year. Well, and the other thing is you didn't have any help. No. There wasn't anybody telling you, if you want this career, this is the way you go, no. right? You had to find this all out on your own. Well, it's kind of a fluke. When I got to the classes at the university, they said, what's your major? I said, well, I don't know yet. They said I had to my sophomore year. They said, like, here's a major paper. You have to choose something or you can't get a card for this class. I was like, okay. Randomly, this is the Lord. <laughs> yeah. I said, theater, I'll change it later. <clears throat> no, <laughs> no idea. No yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Until I walked into the theater. And I didn't go the first semester of college. And I was very devastated because I thought you stayed back when you didn't go straight out of high school to college. Because nobody had gone prior to. My sister had gone to a two-year. But I thought, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a dummy. I, I'd been on an honor roll since the ninth grade. I was like, oh. But my mother had cancer. Mm-hmm. And my sisters, I was the only one left home. And they said, Janie, you have to stay home, honey. Because somebody has to be here with mom. I was like, I'm going to stay back. I'm a dummy. But I knew I had to stay with my mom. So I I went the second semester of college, and when I walked into the theater, one, I've always been different from everybody else. As hard as I try to be like everybody else, I never could. Yeah. Um, one, one, one corner, a girl was learning a song from a record player. Another corner, a person was doing a dance routine. Another corner, somebody was doing a monologue. And as I stood there in the lobby, I just walked into it with my best friend, Zelda, which affectionately known as Cookie, and this feeling engulfed me. I said, oh my God. Yeah. This is where I belong. And I knew it. Say it louder. At 18, as much as I know now. I was like, this is where I belong. Yeah. Right. And that, that's the moment, right? Mm-hmm. That's the moment. And so I'm assuming that, that you took acting classes. Oh, yeah. Okay. And you took all that stuff yes, in yes. your theater, theater program. Theater, theater major. So you, right. t- you have to take acting classes. You have to take every aspect of the theater. Stage management, lights. Um, costumes, makeup, everything. Everything that's in relation to the theater, we took. We okay. I just want to tell you that um, all, whatever energy you spent trying to be like everybody else, that was a waste of time. <laughs> I really did try. <laughs> I believe you. But who you are, it's very special. Mm-hmm. It's very special. And it, it would be a, col- a colossal waste for you to... Oh, I don't undermine it, resist it, dampen it. All right, so so you graduate. Yes, I graduate, and then I go. Now, in my school, it was always get your equity card, which is a union card that said you're a professional actress. Right. So my, my ambition was graduate college, I go spend two weeks with my mom, say goodbye to my childhood sweetheart who wanted to get married. He was in the Army. I was like, no, it's not, you're not going to New York. I'm sorry. Um, so my mother was upset. I, in retrospect, she was having empty nests because I'm the baby. Mm-hmm. But I played on the mom. I'm like, Mommy, you know I was going to grow up. She's like, well, you could work in a bank. I was like, because <laughs> that was a big deal there. If you worked in a bank, oh, that no, was no. a very good job. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to school four years to study and then work in a bank here? I don't think so, Mommy. <laughs> and she was like, well, I didn't raise you to be in New York. New York is hard and it's this. I said, Mommy. If one person went to New York and made it, I'll be number two. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so you went to New York. I went to New York, and I got the second thing I auditioned for. But I was trying to find my world because I, I didn't, didn't know my world. I didn't know how to even begin. So I had clerical skills. I could type, could take shorthand. I could do all kinds of things like that because that was going to be my backup. Yeah, but again, did you have any help? I mean, was anybody guiding well, my- you? As far as my career, no. Yeah. Wow. No, I, I, it was it was on me. But my mom is so strong, and she she raised us to be strong, 
by Shauna. Yeah, I got it. I got stronger. it. She modeled you. And um, so when I, I had a plan. I had a game, game plan. Okay, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do temp work with my skills and then I'm going to find my world because I knew nobody in my world. And when I found my world, I, the second thing I auditioned for, I booked. And um, What was it? It was this sort of community type thing. I didn't do that because he said to me, the director, he was like, he looked at my resume. He goes, so um, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I was just trying to get some work, per se. Yeah. And uh, I, then I realized that I started out below what my educational yeah. thing was. So yeah. I was like... You, so you were overqualified. <laughs> <laughs> I was. But the, the next thing that I took was a company called Nucleus. And it was the d elder daughter of Malcolm X, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. God rest his soul. Because uh, his daughter, Yolanda, and I were very close. Because that was their company they had created to go and do inspired kids in high school and college to encourage and inspire them and um so uh oof, it was it's, it's to watch her go through that when I'm, we're on the road together the day her father passed away and, oh my god you and, were there with her you no know, I, I was there when she was going through his birthdays his birthday would come up and to see that uh, Yolanda who's very sweet and southern with Melanta and suddenly she'd be like this that whole present stillness would come over her. She'd be like that. But um, prior to that, Coretta Scott King and her mom would come see the shows and um, and uh, and it was great to actually meet them. I was like, I didn't know they, I didn't know when I was auditioning, I didn't know who they were. I didn't even know. I came in and they wanted you to do a monologue and a song. Had I known, I would have been, I would have been like <laughs> so terrified. So I just did my little monologue and I sang my song and um, and then when we got to the first week of rehearsal, I was reading the pamphlet. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is King's daughter. This is Malcolm's daughter. This is the famous Avon Long's daughter. Oh, my God. I was freaking out. And I was like trying to hold it together, Jamie. I was like, oh, my You keep trying to make yourself other than you are. It's so sad because it's who you are that's getting you everything. It's, it's unfortunate when this happens to a lot of kids. That they aren't able to really appreciate who they are, right? I learned how to. I learned how to, to go. To you got be it now, own. right? I learned. Yeah, <laughs> I learned. I actually learned. Uh, I actually learned kind of early because I had a difficult time in, in school in the, in initial age in middle school because the kids didn't particularly like me and they were, you know, because I was so different. I didn't realize what 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 why they targeted me. And then I was like, somebody has to like me, so that would be me. Oh, you know, God. that's what I do. It's so, so that smart. Yeah, it's so it, smart, and like you know that lots of people never arrive there. They never get it. That they're the ones who have to love themselves, right? Have to love me. Yeah. And I was in college. A lot of the girls didn't like me, and I was like, I don't understand. I haven't done anything, but one or two, but a whole bunch. I was like, and one day I was in my dance class, Dr. Gwen. I never forget her. And she said, and usually I'm lively like I am, just by nature. She's like, Jamie. She said, You're so sad, sweetheart. What's wrong? What's wrong? I was like, Dr. Gwen. I was like, These girls, they don't like me, and I don't know why. You know, if it was one or two, I'd say, Okay, fine, you know. But when a whole lot, there must be something I'm doing. And she, so maternal, I love. She looked at me like a daughter or a niece, and she said, sweetheart, you have an aura that can be very intimidating to other people who have not found themselves. She said, don't stop being you. It's who you are. Embrace being you. Yeah, so you finally did get somebody, yeah. right? And, and in actual fact, I'm sure, well, I don't know, I think they were jealous. You know, well, the, she sort of said that. Well, the boys like me. <laughs> they were lining up. I was like, no. Yeah. 
<laughs> Go away, I'm getting my degree. I am going to New York. <laughs> okay. So how long were you with that troupe? With that company, um, Oh, gee, I must have worked with them off and on because they did like spurts a week here, a week there, mm-hmm. things like that. Probably like two or three years or, or more okay. with that company. I would do different shows with them. Okay, so you're here in Sarasota. How did that happen? Well, I have been blessed again because when I was in my small town of Shannon, population probably like 150, no even stop lights, corner store for a grocery store, four miles from Red Springs, whose only population 3,000 plus and you said, T, Shannon's so small. Anyway, I said to myself, one day I'm going to grow up, I'm going to get out of here, and I'm going to see the world. Ah. And fast forward, I've been to 23 different countries. Oh, my God. How did you do most that? Most of which have been job-related. Um, I started working with this Spanish singer, Atala Shabazz, who was Malcolm's eldest daughter, and that company that they had, she was... Friends with the musical director for the Spanish singer called Rafael. Rafael traveled everywhere. I spent a lot of time in Spain and South American countries and learning stuff. Spain was my favorite. He had the Prado Museum, and every day I'd have off, I'd go and just, because it's so huge, I spent hours in the museum, you know. Well, I was traveling with Rafael. It's always with companies. Maybe like four of them was like vacation. But so did other- you choose these companies to audition for because they were going places or it uh, was happenstance? No, I, it, it was kind of happenstance. They, they were looking for, um, uh, Rafael wanted, he really just wanted like pretty girls, you know, 5'8". Mm-hmm. But just so happened to sing. We're like, we're not models. We're singers, <laughs> Rafael. <laughs> just to show us off the little jolly girls backing him up, right? Um, but yeah, and so that was just a blessing right there mm-hmm. because from one company, the person from inside that had that company recommended me to another company and I went there. And uh, it was great. It was great learning that the thing that I did not know is that Spanish is so vast and that the, they, the Spanish people in Spain in um, New York say I speak Castellano because I learned from my Spaniards. Now, I didn't understand that. I was like, Spanish is Spanish, so, yeah, you no. know, but they have different Spanish for Spain. They have different ones in Mexico. They have different ones the center. They're different. They have different words and way of expressing. And that was so amazing because I love immersing myself in different cultures. It's my favorite thing to do. Wow. So you couldn't have picked a better career then. I mean, yes. not only that it's the one that is so obviously natural for you, but it allowed you to do these things oh, that you wanted to do. That's I amazing. So how did you wind up in Tiny Sarasota? Okay, so I was, oh, I was in Spain, and I was banging at Rafael. So now, when I went to NCAAT State University uh, in Greensboro, next door is Winston-Salem, and there's a director there, Larry Leon Hamlin, now the late Larry Leon Hamlin, who started the National Black Theater Festival. It happens every two years. All, everybody who's anybody, Maya Angelou, Oprah Winfrey, all his head is on the board. All right, he knew my work from A&T, because I remember when I was in college, and he was like, Oh, he's in the, in the audience, and we'd be real nervous that night. Well, I didn't know he had taken to me. And so I was in Spain, and they were looking for the studio, was looking for a strong actress and singer mm-hmm. uh, for the role of uh, My Castle's Rockin' by Alberta Hunter. Mm-hmm. So Larry Leon, the artistic director of that theater in Winston-Salem, recommended me. Well, they didn't call me back, because my, my, my resume looks like it's just musical theater. Mm-hmm. Lots of time, musical theater... Um, actors aren't really good actors. They like okay actors and great singers and whatever. But I'm I'm kind of sort of like between both. You know, I both sing and act. Well, they didn't call me right away, and he called me. I was in Spain, Madrid, and he said, like, "Did he call?" I was like, "No, they didn't call me. Maybe because you know it's musical theater, but that's what I've done." And he was like, "How dare they?" <laughs> 
They asked me for my recommendation. I know the finest black talent in America. How dare them question. I don't know what he said, but they called me the next day. So I put in my notice to Raphael, who was very upset because I was leaving him. I was like, Raphael, I said, I want to be a star like you. I'm in his ego. Because he's a huge star. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like their Elvis Presley's are to us, or James Brown's to my culture. That's what he is to the Spanish world. And so I left, and I came to do my Castle's Rocking. And that was my connection with Florida Studio Theater. I did that, and they loved me. No, and now this is years later. I've done eight, the, uh, Ethel Waters' Eyes on the Sparrow was actually a return performance from years ago um that was my 18th show with them oh my goodness so now let's talk about carolina change so why don't you tell me about it as though i don't know it okay uh well i saw that by saying for years nate has been telling nate jacobs the artistic director has been saying to me i can't wait till i can afford you because he was not a union house and i'm a union actress Mm -hmm. and he says i want you to do carolina i see you as my carolina i say as soon as you become union, have any union contracts, please, by all means, call me. And that's exactly what he did. Now, Carolina Change is about a domestic uh, woman. Her name is Caroline, and she works for this Jewish family. And uh, she feels like her life is humdrum because she's doing the same thing. She thought that by now, she's 39 years old, and she thought that by now, she would would have been doing something wonderful more other than in that hot basement. Because all the house on the block, most of them don't have no basement. I'm the one stuck with the basement. And um, she fell in love very young with a Navy man. And um, then he went, she got pregnant. He went off to the Navy. Three years he came back. And then he was trying to find a job and he couldn't, which happened a lot to people. And because of his frustration, he started to be abusive. Mm. And she said to him, look, you hit me again, you know, I, I'm not going to be responsible, in other words. And that happened that he did hit her. And she fought back, of course, which I can totally relate to. Mm -hmm. So, um, and he left, but he left and she didn't want him to leave because she still loved him. She loved him, but she knew she couldn't let him beat on her. All right. So now she has four children. She has one that's in Vietnam. She has three young ones, 15, maybe like 12 or eight year old little children. She got to take care of. And the only job she has qualified to do is to be a maid. So now she's dealing with that. Meanwhile, the Jewish family, um, they just lost the matriarch of the house. She passed away. She smoked too many cigarettes and she got lung cancer and she passed away. And her husband married her best friend. I suppose it was like that sort of mentality of, um, you know, like long time ago in the Bible days, yeah. if the woman, if the woman husband died, the brother would marry the wife. Yeah. I think it was sort of that sort of mentality anyway. And she was trying to make a home. There's to have a little boy. He's like eight years old. A little boy named Noah. Well, Noah's trying to make... Me, my character, Caroline, saw like a surrogate mother because I'm the consistent in his life. And he's still grieving about the fact that he lost his mom. He was very, very close to his mom. So they're dealing with the death of the mom. Right. And they're trying to live their lives and, and you know, and then they have the grandparents that come in from New York and, and they have all these uh, different kind of political review uh, views of the world. And so they're dealing with their lives and what's happening with them. The, the wife, the new wife is trying to connect with the husband, Stuart, and... And, and also with the boy. And, and, and with the little boy and, and being rejected all the way around, you know, because they're in their, they're in a bad place in their lives. Yeah. They're still right. grieving. Right. They're still grieving. And the, the father can't even connect necessarily with the little boy because it just took him out of his space when he lost his wife. And, and the other woman coming in trying to help 
is she appreciates it, but he's still disconnected. So they have their woes and I have my woes. And so now you have my life coming in there, which I don't even talk about my life. I'm just in there, you know, doing working. Yeah, working. And the little boys, you know, they're with me, bugging me. But I, I, I really love the little boy, but I'm, I'm in a very bitter place. Because now I have four children, one in Vietnam that might die at any moment, other three at home, and all I have to survive. And I'm only making $30 a week yeah. <laughs> to take care of all those children. This is 1933. Everyone in this play is overwhelmed. Yes, that's exactly it. So it talks about that life and how she deals with it. Mm-hmm. And how the, the Jewish family deal with their life and what they're going through. And how they try to mesh the two lives together. The new wife is trying her best to be friends with the Caroline, but Caroline is just like sort of just closed off. Everybody yeah. really is closed off mm-hmm. and unable really to be reached, right? Yeah. yeah. Not a, it's not that uncommon, I think, right? Yeah. So, so just, how do you see the, the end, the, how it resolves? Um, or maybe you don't want to tell. Uh, maybe because maybe Have you seen it yet? I, I saw seen, it, but I don't know whether the people listening have seen it. So, Well, I mean, it doesn't stay. There, there's something that takes place in the show, and I won't mention what that is. But that's a turning, as a, there's a scene she has with a little boy. And that little scene that she has with the little boy makes her realize what a dark place she's in and has been with. How she's treated all those around her who loved her, from her best friend who's just trying to be friendly with her, engaging. Yes, 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 yes. And, but the scene with the little boy... That lets her know she's gone too far. And then she has the redemption song, Lost Wife. It's when you get to see her face her demons and try and come out of it. Yeah. So in a sense, she's the only one who recognizes the impact that life has had on her to shut her down. Right. Well, she well, she's just walking around bitter. She's not even she's not even acknowledging the fact of why she's bitter. She's just going. No, like, I mean in the end. Yes, yes. That, that she's the only one yeah. of the of the, yeah, of the, the everybody is shut down. Yeah. Right. But she's the only one that who gets actually a resolve. Faces it. Right. Yeah, I think so. She's the only one who gets a, a clear resolve. Yes. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, how long is it running? Until February sixteenth is our last show. Okay. Well, it's time to see it. Okay. All right. I have one last question, and it is, having spent a life doing this work, you have spent, since you were five, you have been doing this work. What would you say about what it's like? I would say that I would recommend that everybody find out what what is it called. And we all have a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I was blessed to find my purpose early on. Yeah. Find your purpose. Walk in that purpose. Because there's one preacher, he said, when you don't do what you're on this earth to do, others suffer. And I love the idea that when I can bring a smile to my audience's face or lots of my audience members, they go, oh, you made me cry. And men are like, you made me cry. I don't like to cry. (laughs) You know, but they get an opportunity to escape their lives if there are any difficulties and be in my world and I can bring a joy or happiness uh, to them. If you're walking in your calling, what you're on this earth to do is exuberating and fulfilling and Mm -hmm. there's joy. So no matter whatever else may go on in your life, you have that and that's going to be a source of continuous joy and keeps you grounded and that's that's worth worth it all that's a perfect place to stop thank you so much Janie thank you